Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Stuff I Heard podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Peak, and I've got something going on with my headphones. I've only got sound out of one ear. What's going on here? There we go. Um, <clears throat> sorry about that. <laughs> Little technical difficulties. Listen, this is not a perfect science. I'm figuring this out as we go. Um, this is the Stuff I Heard podcast, and Valentine's Day is coming up. I want to talk about Valentine's Day a little bit. Um, I do keep notes on what I'm going to talk about, but sometimes I vary, obviously. Um, you can see my little paper here, fun stuff. Uh, Valentine's Day is Monday. We have the Super Bowl, or I don't know if I'm allowed to say Super Bowl. Is that still allowed? I noticed that like now, anytime there's radio or something like that, they have to say, the big game is uh, this weekend. You know the one we're all talking about, the big game, the, the, big, the big one. And I guess some kind of copyright thing where the NFL is like, listen, we own the rights to the word Super Bowl. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <clears throat> I do like the fact that Cincinnati is sort of entering this as an underdog. They were a wild card team that had to beat several teams um, in their home stadiums, and they defeated them. Uh, I was really excited to watch Joe Burrow come up through the ranks. And sort of become a pro football quarterback, which he looked like in college when he played at LSU and they won the national championship. Very talented quarterback. The rest of the team is incredible. But, you know, it's to me it's the perfect storm of the underdog coming in to the Rams. I mean, it's the Rams they're facing and the Rams are playing in their home stadium. And it's just another, to Cincinnati, it's just another away game they got to win. And um, I really, I like their, I like their odds. I think uh, I think Cincinnati's going to pull it off. But all that being said, Valentine's Day is the very next day. Now, here's the question. How many people out there are thinking about Valentine's Day versus how many people out there are thinking about the Super Bowl? Because I work with a lot of guys, obviously, um, doing the job that I do. Um, and we discuss it from time to time. And, you know, they all talk about having plans for having a party at their house to watch the game and you know, this and that. And I'm like, hey, so what do you got planned for your wife? Well, you know, I think we might go out of town the next weekend or we might just do a meal Monday night or something like that. So this year, sort of Valentine's Day kind of took a back seat because of where it landed in coordination with the big game. And <clears throat> here in our house, we typically don't celebrate holidays like that. We don't buy each other gifts for things. We did in the beginning. But then it became, became a thing of, you know, do you up the ante every time? Do you go, well, last year I got you this, so this year I got to spend a little more. Oh, that, last year I got you this other thing, but you didn't like it because it didn't fit and it broke the first week you had it. Or, you know, you, you buy things and you buy things and you buy things until what's the point of it, right? Like things are just things. And along the way, if you want something and you have a healthy relationship with your spouse and with your money, then you discuss what you're going to purchase along the way. Um, we discuss purchases a good bit. We openly talk about the fact of, Hey, you know, I'm looking at purchasing a new camera for the podcast room. Oh, well, let's talk about it. Let's, how much is it? Uh, can we string, can we do that now? Or should we wait a couple of weeks? And part of it is being a grown up about things and going, yeah, I'll wait. Um, which we've done pretty healthfully. I, I would, I would say, um, if we have a large purchase like a vehicle, it's definitely a, a discussion that we have between the two of us, what we can afford, what we can get, you know, 
we want to get the best deal. We want to get something that's going to be smart. Um, and you know, if it's small things like I need some new socks or underwear or whatever, a new shirt, I mean, that's kind of stuff. You just buy it. You just buy it because you need it. Right. Um, neither one of us go out of our way spending crazy amounts of money on things that are just exorbitant. Uh, we don't buy things that are just to buy them. Um, I think in the one year, little over one year that I've had my Nintendo Switch, I bought two games. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not one of those kind of spenders. Um, I do, however, spend money at the grocery store because we eat. I mean, typically we eat a lot. Um, it takes a lot to keep the two of us fed. And so it's not uncommon to spend, you know, $500 for two people to eat at home for the month. Um, kind of regularly. I'd, I'd say that's a pretty decent estimation of our budget between five and 700 just on food at the house. That's not including food of eating out. Um, we have been doing this HelloFresh thing. They're not a sponsor. I'm not getting paid by them to talk about it at all, but we are trying some really cool dishes that I'm enjoying. Um, last night we had this really delicious um, mushu pork. Fantastic. Uh, the only thing I don't like is the recipes that we've gotten so far, there's an element in there about cooking rice. And to me, the rice instructions never really turn out right. We end up having to cook it way longer than it says and having to add more fluid to it, um, whether it's in the form of you know chicken broth or water or whatever. Um, it just doesn't cook like the recipe says it should cook. If anybody out there has got some rice ideas for me, if they're using HelloFresh and you've got some ideas of what I could do different, let me know. Um, I'm really curious. Now, the food itself is great because, you know, we've set it up for, for servings of two. So she and I get to split a serving. I've been putting them on Instagram. You can go check out my Instagram. It's Joshua Peak. You can see my little, my pretty picture there. Um, and I've been tagging in um, HelloFresh. So if you're curious about that, you can look it up under HelloFresh. Um, but last night was a really good dish. It had some pork meat ground pork with uh, um, red cabbage and something else. Oh, uh, shallots, um, the little baby onions and shallots. We cut those up and caramelize the onions and with the meat and then um, use the, the green part, the, the shallot part for the, the part at the end, uh, like a finish. But um, it was really fantastic. When we started making the rice, you know, it came in a little tiny bag, and I thought, ah, there's not enough here for us. But <clears throat> when we plated it and served it and ate it, I was like, I'm actually full. I like the portion control. I like the fact that it's making us try some things we wouldn't normally eat together. I mean, I couldn't tell you when in my life that I've ever bought red cabbage for the house. But having a, a portion size that's already, you know, portioned out for us, and all I got to do is throw it into the food and eat it, it's great. Same thing with, we had something the other day with kale in it. And I was like, I don't know that I've ever bought kale on purpose. Um, but having kale cooked into this dish made it really delicious. So, I mean, it is getting us to try some things we wouldn't normally try. And it's cheaper than eating out. It works out basically to about mm, a little over $10 a person per meal. That's not bad. Not, not considering we're doing two meals a week like that. Um, it's kind of a nice treat. So... Just an idea. I'm throwing it out there. If you're curious about something to do for Valentine's, um, you could get up, sign up for one of these home service meal plans. I mean, it is worth a try. Um, we've put it off for years. We've toyed around with the idea. 
and thought about it and thought, I don't know, is that, is that wasteful? Is that, is it worth it? Are we going to get things we like? Is it, you know, if we have to skip a week cause we're out of town, is there a way to do that? Yeah, there's a way to do that too. So, um, we went on this morning and looked up some stuff that we're going to have coming up and we were able to pick out some stuff. So anyway, back to Valentine's day. Sorry, I keep rambling. I'm like the ADD podcast, uh, start talking about something and see a squirrel and run after it, you know, mentally, not physically. Uh, but Valentine's this year coming around this year, I decided to do something different. I went online and I ordered some things. Um, some things are going to be sent to my wife at work and some things are going to be sent to the house. Um, now, I can tell you guys, this is sort of a hint, if you're going to buy your girl something, whether it's your girlfriend or your wife or whatever, send it to her work, okay? You send it to the house, you and her get to look at it. Ooh, ah, thanks, honey. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Send it to her work. It works out really good if it's a Monday, like this weekend, um, this year, it's on a Monday. Send it to her work, and then it sits on her desk all week. If she has a desk, thankfully, you know, thankfully my wife has a desk now. The biggest part of it is showing it off to people. Okay. I don't know if anybody realizes that, but it's nice. Listen, I can only imagine that as a girl, it's nice to once in a while get flowers. Even if you're past the age of getting flowers, even if you're in your relationship for 20 plus years and you don't really need flowers and you realize it's a waste of money and you realize all of the things that are tagged onto it, and especially because it's Valentine's Day and they've upcharged everything and you're paying, you know, 10 times more what it would normally cost to get them. Once in a while, it's nice to have. Once in a while, it's nice to be known that you're pretty. Once in a while, it's nice to be given pretty flowers to look at. Once in a while, it's nice to have flowers sitting on your desk that have been bought for you by someone who loves you so that other people in your office look at it and go, oh, that's so sweet. And then it's a constant reminder, maybe to the people around them, that you're loved. And maybe if someone isn't, then they go, you're so lucky. And I know it's a weird psychological trick, but it is also true. I am so lucky. I'm lucky that I found my person. Um, you know, when when we started dating, this wasn't what neither one of us thought it would be. Neither one of us went into this relationship ever thinking that we would be married or together or combining a family or raising a family or whatever. All the things that we've been through, it never started off that way. And here we are. And it's easy to get into a, a pattern and a rhythm of pay the bills, come home, go to bed early, pay the bills, come home, go to bed early. And you're living your life, but you're not living. You're just existing. You're, you're putting food in the engine to make it go. You're remembering to once in a while uh, tell each other, I love you, I love you too. You're going through a pattern of comfortable, but never, it's almost like walking by a field every day and never noticing that there's flowers there. Or you're putting your head down to do the work and you never look up once in a while to see the sunrise or the sunset. It's not intentional. People just get busy. Life gets in the way. Things happen. You have stuff that goes on with your kids. You have stuff that goes on with your parents. You have stuff that goes on with your friends. You have commitments that you've made and you have to do things for work and, and you're constantly being pulled in a thousand different directions. And also, 
within yourself, you're constantly struggling with the idea of, am I doing enough? Am I being enough? Am I, am I living up to the expectations that other people have on me? Am I doing the things that, that I expect of myself? Is there ways that I can improve? Is there things that I could be doing better? What do I need to do for self-care? Like, I mean, it's, it's amazing that everybody isn't ADHD. I mean, there's so much pulling our attention in all different directions. I mean, just this past week alone, we got the Olympics going on. We got the Super Bowl going on. We got Valentine's Day coming up. We got some weird protest thing about Joe Rogan where some people claim that he's a bad guy. And then you got this outrage of people who are in Joe Rogan's support going, hey, listen, he's a, he's, a, he's a comedian. He's got a podcast. And he's once in a while, he said some bad things, but he's a good guy. And, you know, then because I listen to Joe Rogan and I talk about him, people are asking me my opinion. What do you think about Joe Rogan? What do you want to know? He's just a guy. He said some stuff he regrets. He took it back. It's like, listen, sorry. I said some stuff I shouldn't have said. It can be taken out of context. I was using it to talk about something else, but here somebody's put a video compilation together and it makes me sound terrible. Yeah, I'm sure that could be done with anybody. Um, once in a while, <laughs> we all say stuff we regret. And every once in a while, you're in the public eye and people go, hmm, that's regrettable. I mean, just look at any politician any comedian, anybody with a platform, anybody with a social platform, things they've said, we listen at it now and you go, did they, did they really mean to say that then? Or was that regrettable? Would they now then say, eh, I shouldn't have said that. Now, one of the things I like about the fact that Rogan was in all this is the fact that he has a huge platform where millions of people download every episode and he can immediately go, hey, listen, yeah, I said some stuff that was wrong and I realized that and I'll try to do better. The stuff with the with the whole COVID thing, there was people out there in this outrage culture over COVID. He had on two of the top scientists in the world to talk about COVID. They told their opinions that were different than what the administration had said. And because of that, they got this outrage culture of people after them saying that they should be banned and they should be deplatformed and all this other crap. Okay. Well, that's wrong. Um, just want to, I, I like to be the kind of person that just says, here's my cards on the table. So you know where I stand. That's just wrong. Okay. We live in America. This is the first amendment area. This is our country was founded on the first amendment. It is a first amendment for a reason. Freedom of speech. You should be able to say whatever you want. I don't have to like it, but you can say whatever you want. I can choose to turn you off if I don't like it. I can choose to not listen if I don't like it, but you should be able to say what you want. Now, with this pandemic thing and everybody trying to have a political phase on it and the media trying to get in their two cents worth because God knows they need the clicks apparently. It's all about money. Every step of this is about money. I went to the store today, went in Sam's. They got a sign up on the wall that says, uh, mass suggested. Okay, well, I've been triple vaccinated. I ain't wearing no mask. Walked around. I saw like one other person without a mask. One other person. And I knew the guy. I work with him. <laughs> then I went to my local grocery store. Sign on the wall says ma mass mandatory. I'm like, seriously? Still? Still. <sighs> okay, fine. I put it on, walking around. I saw like 10 people without their masks on. I went, you know what? I'm not wearing it. Screw it. I took it off. Finished my shopping. Got out of there. I just want things to go back to normal. I know that sounds very insensitive to somebody who may be struggling with this kind of stuff. 
but it's just the flu at this point. Come on. It really is just the flu at this point. I mean, this is my opinion. I'm just a dude. I have, I have no medical background. I have no reason to say this other than the fact that I'm just like everybody else listening to this. I don't care anymore. I just don't care. I've gotten triple vaccinated. Get over it. Okay. I hated getting the flu vaccine. Why? Because every time I got the flu vaccine, I would get the flu. You know how many other times I got the flu? Never. Never. I never got the flu. I'm pretty healthy other than getting bailing wire in my eyeball. Um, I don't get sick much. But here it is. This pandemic, this fear-mongering had me out getting tri- getting triple vaccinated so that I wouldn't transfer it on to my parents who are in, you know, different stages of health issues and my you know, in-laws and whatnot. And, and, and so I felt like I did the right thing. But now you're telling me I still need to wear a mask. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm just, I'm so over it. I saw yesterday that uh, Orlando um, Universal has announced that they've listed all mandates on people wearing masks if you've been vaccinated. And I was like, good, thanks. That's how it should be. If you're at risk, if you think you might get it, wear a mask. If you've been vaccinated, who cares? Don't wear it. That's exactly how it should be from day one. That should be from administration down. That should be the president saying, listen, just do this. Okay. If you feel like you're at risk, wear it. Okay. If you want to get the vaccine, get it. If you don't, fine. Stop issuing mandates. Stop making it mandatory. The word mandatory is making the entire world crazy. Up in Canada, they had just had this huge convoy of truckers I don't even know the final number on it. I think I read somewhere it was supposed to be 50,000 and somebody else 70,000 and somebody else at 100,000. I don't know what it ended up being. But truckers lined up on the way to Ottawa to protest in a convoy. They blocked the roads. A lot of the trucks ran out of fuel. People were going around and giving them fuel. People started getting arrested in Canada for giving them fuel. Anybody seen with a, with a uh, gas can was arrested. So Canada, (laughs) being awesome, everybody in Canada started walking around the streets carrying a gas can because they were like, you know what? Arrest us all. Well, none of us agree with this. This is all stupid. Good for Canada. Good for the truckers. Good for the country. Good for the world. I mean, kudos. That, that That is ballsy. That is awesome. And I'm in support of it. I think it's awesome. I heard that supposedly a bunch of truck drivers are going to do that around the big game this weekend, all around Los Angeles. They're going to go there to protest. They're going to go there and they're going to block the roads. And I say good for them. Do it. I'm in support of it. I don't care. Anarchy, baby. (laughs) I mean, controlled anarchy, obviously. Our country was founded on protest. Our country was founded on people being fed up. America was founded on people being in another country going, I've had enough of this oppression. I'm going to go, I'm going to chance my, my whole life and my whole livelihood. I'm going to throw everything away and get on the ship and trust that somebody's not going to kill me on the way to this new world where maybe I can make it just because it's so bad here. And because of that, they established this country. They came here in droves and they wanted to build a better life. And it didn't always work out for them. But our founding fathers decided, you know what? This is the backbone of what this country is. And so I'm in support 
of free speech and I'm in support of the second amendment and I'm in, I'm in support of the truckers in Canada and all the people who support them. And if anybody wants to do it around Los Angeles, I'm in support of you too. I'm just saying that right now. I don't care. I'm in support of you. I think you, I think, I think the country needs to understand the, the people in power need to understand that they were voted by us to be representatives of us. And the whole idea of this representative government that we have was founded on the idea that most people didn't have a voice and you had to have a representative from your territory on horseback, go to places once in a while and vote on things, depending on what their people in their district wanted. And somewhere along the way, we lost sight of that. We lost sight of the fact that we elect people to be in power. We elect people to have a voice for us and we forget to talk to them and tell them what was important to us. So here it is. Here's our chance. Tell people. Get a list of your sal- your senator, your congressman, your local representatives. Tell them. Tell them, tell them where you, what you feel. Make their phones ring so much that they have to listen. That's the only way this changes. That's the only way. So, I know you guys didn't hear, tune, tune in to here to listen to me rant about COVID or masks or any of that. But <clears throat> ADD, back to Valentine's Day. So Valentine's Day, yeah. Send your wife, send your girlfriend stuff in her office so the other girls in the office can be jealous. And that way she feels even more special. There, I said it. I said it out loud. There it is. It exists. <sighs> Maybe one day all these podcasts will come around and people pick up nuggets of this and be like, that's actually a good, that's a good idea. And nobody ever told me that. That was just something I figured out along the way. Trial and error. And I don't know if other people know that, but I figured why not say it out loud. And I know my wife will listen to this podcast. And honey, I love you. And I know you're going through a lot right now. We got a lot of personal stuff going on with our family. And I just wanted her to know how much I love her and how much I appreciate her and how much I think she's beautiful. And I like to get my girl some pretty flowers once in a while. And maybe some other stuff. So, um, let's shift gears a little bit. I'm listening to a really good podcast right now with Bert Kreischer uh, on the Bert Cast with Brian Simpson. Brian Simpson is a stand-up comedian, and they do almost four hours of a podcast. Now, I've only listened to the first hour and a half so far. Um, I only listen to it in the car on the way to work and on the way home. And if I'm going out and running around, running errands, it's in the car. But <clears throat> Brian Simpson is very interesting in the fact that he's a stand-up comedian. He's on Netflix's new, um, whatever their special is, The Degenerates Season 2, I think it is, or Netflix is a joke. I don't know, one of those Netflix specials, Just for Laughs or whatever it is. Uh, it's on Netflix. It just came out not long ago. He's the, he's the one that opens it up. He's hilarious. Uh, a lot of his comedy is very serious. Like he's, he's not really... He's not like Bert. He's not the. A lot of people call Bert the the jester storyteller in a way because he wants to make you laugh. He wants to be silly. He wants to tell you a story that gets you engaged and makes you understand where the funny is in the story. And Brian's sort of a storyteller too, but he likes to look at the absurd of it and find the humor in it. But it's also a serious kind of humor. But it's good. It's really good. Um, but fascinating guy. He talks about growing up in foster care and living with, you know, seven or eight sets of parents along the way. And, you know, when he got out, he, 
when he graduated high school, um, you know, they thought he had ADD, so they gave him Ritalin for a while. Um, he never quite reached his potential of what he could do because he just wasn't interested in school. Uh, went into the Marine Corps. Um, he talks about a little bit of that experience. Talks about being homeless for a while when he got out of the Marine Corps um, and how he's sort of making his journey into being a stand-up comedian. And the the homeless part of it was very interesting um, because it made me realize how fragile a lot of people are in their situations. If they don't look at their money as an opportunity um, or they don't have access to earn money, then it becomes one of these obstacles that you never see. Bert makes a comment during it that his wife, Leanne, grew up poor and thus has a mentality of someone who is poor. Whereas he grew up with a little bit of money, um, but he never saw himself as poor. He saw himself at times as broke, which is different. When you're broke, you always think it'll work out. We'll find money. It'll just happen. Things will happen. And when you're poor, you go, oh, there's no hope. There's, there's only survival at this point. Like you have the lowest level of survival in mind at all times. And I think that my wife and I both have poor in our, in our DNA. We both grew up poor. We both grew up wondering how we we're going to make things happen that wasn't available. And thus it made us make choices along the way that sometimes weren't the best choice, but it was what we thought we needed to do to survive. Um, since we built a life together, I think at times we enjoy the fact that we've made some smart choices along the way and that we both work. And I'll be honest, if, if we didn't both work, we would not be in the situation. If it was just one of us working, like if I was the main one working, I would have a different job. I would have a different, I'd still probably still work where I'm working, but I'd have a different job where I make more money. Um, but I'd also work myself to death because that's, that's my mentality. My mentality is put your head down, do whatever you got to do and take care of your responsibilities because that's what was given to me as an example of the people that I admired. Um, the people I grew up emulating is those people. Now, during that, um, I probably wouldn't be happy. I'd be happy in knowing that I was taking care of my family, but I'd be miserable otherwise. And because my wife works, because she's able to work and can make a good living, um, she's able to exercise a few things that she has in her DNA because her DNA is very similar. Um, she has a, a take over the world sort of mentality. Um, here's an obstacle. I'm going to overcome it. And she needs obstacles to overcome. I need obstacles to overcome. I don't want to say I do, but I do. None of us really, I guess, want to admit that part. But we need a little bit of struggle in our life to feel like we've accomplished something so that when you do accomplish it, you feel like you've earned your reward. Um, if you get things given to you, you don't feel like you earn it as much. Um, but the older I get, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm, <clears throat> my body is getting older. Um, I'm feeling age. I'm feeling the deterioration of the years. I'm feeling the parts where I go, maybe I need to do something different. Maybe my, maybe my ability is leaving me. 
And I do like the fact that my wife is working and I do like the fact that together we earn a good living. And I do like the fact that because of that, we are afforded the opportunities to enjoy life a bit. We're afforded uh, the, the opportunity to have hobbies or to go on vacations like we want and to pick really cool places to do things and really interesting things to do. And all of it comes to the fact that together we make a good living. We, we earn, we earn well. Um, but we, we suffer for it, man. Boy, I tell you, (laughs) there, there's a lot of suffering involved. (laughs) So, you know, if once in a while we can deserve or we can, we can earn the fact to go out to a good meal or go on a good vacation or get a couple's massage, you know, somewhere exotic, then it's like, let's, let's do the thing. So yeah, I feel lucky. I feel lucky and hearing Brian's description of what life was like on the streets. Um, I'm thankful that I haven't had to do that and I hope that I'd never have to. Um, it's a very good podcast. I recommend checking it out. If for nothing else, then you get to hear somebody's perspective of a life that you didn't live. Maybe it gives you an appreciation for what you have, which is what I got out of it. It made me appreciate what I have. Um, all right. So I watched a couple things on television that I want to talk about. And some of you may be into it or not. Um, I don't know if it was a couple years ago. There was a show on Netflix called Raising Dion. And I talked about it on here. Uh, it was a little kid, a little black kid that, that got superpowers. And he was like seven, six or seven at the time. And it was an interesting idea of a mom who's just a regular mom raising her kid. And one day he starts having powers and it, it all throws into this idea of superpowers and what does it mean? And, you know, what do we get out of that kind of show? It's that fantasy idea of what if I could do anything? And here you have a kid who is mostly emotional because he's a kid. He doesn't understand how the way the world works and not really thinking things through, but suddenly has some type of abilities. What would you do? It's an interesting premise. And I thought the first season was really good. Um, the second season came out this week and I, there were parts of it I liked, uh, but overall I thought the second season was sort of, It's almost like they didn't know they were going to be successful with this first episode. And so they wrote the second episode with the, with a bunch of people sitting around a room going, okay, so that was a hit. Um, you guys got any other, other ideas? Uh, we, we got to write more stuff. And so they brought back some of the same cast from the first season, most of the same cast from the first season. Um, but the story just, it just wasn't good. I mean, I know what they're trying to do with the show, but to me, it was written with too much of a, uh, it was written too much like a lifetime movie uh, show. Like, like it was only women writing in the room. And I know that women can write. I know that there's a lot of talented female writers out there of TV shows, but this show was way heavy on the female writing to the point that it was almost like watching something on the Hallmark channel. Um, there were a few superhero moments in it where the special effects were pretty cool, 
I mean, obviously the first season was such a hit that Netflix threw more money at this second season so they could do more special effects. But this was this was more like a Hallmark show. It's more feelings, it was more emotions, more more girl power, more, you know, women in charge of everything. And and let's talk about how we feel about it. And 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 listen, there's a part for that's necessary in a lot of things. Okay. We do live in a world where you got to have a male and female voice of things, but it's almost like this show, this whole second season, they didn't have one writer that was a dude in the room. I mean, that's just my opinion. I may be wrong. Maybe you got a bunch of beta, beta males over there just vegan and out and eating tofu and being like, listen, I think we should talk about her struggle. Okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I like Dion. I think he's a cute kid. Uh, I like Esperanza. I think she's adorable. Um, I think that uh, I think that they're both going to become actors later on and do a lot of things. I think the mom in the show is really talented. Um, man, that's about it. So then let's switch gears a little bit and talk about what I wanted to talk about the most, which is the Book of Boba Fett season finale. Now, Obviously, I'm a Boba Fett fan. He's behind me on the wall. I've got him kind of everywhere in this room. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> okay, so if you haven't watched Boba Fett, then you can just skip the rest of this podcast because I'm going to talk about it throughout the rest. If you haven't seen the final se- the season finale, then you don't want to hear it. Just end it now. It's been a fun, fun podcast. Okay, I'm going to spoil everything because I'm going to talk about everything. Okay. I'm a Star Wars fan still here. Okay. So Book of Boba Fett season finale to me was everything that I wanted to see with one exception and, and I'll, and I'll go through it. Okay. Um, you get to see a very cool interaction, a showdown, if you will, of Boba Fett facing off against Cad Bane. Um, supposedly the dent in Boba Fett helmet was created by Cad Bane in a shoot off that they had. Um, Cad Bane raised Boba Fett to be a bounty hunter. Uh, if you watch the Clone Wars, you can see where that sort of transitions and happens. Um, he comes up as a young boy and Cad Bane is a badass bounty hunter and he looks like the country Western gunslinger. He's got the big brim hat and he's got the spur kind of sound when he walks and you know, we talked about the fact that the Mandalorian is kind of a space Western. Well, Cad Bane fits right into this as being the bad guy, the the hot hand, the quick, uh, the really quick draw. We got to see this in the last episode where he shot down Cobb Vanth. They had a they had a duel right there on the streets, and Cad Bane shot him down. Man, he shot the sheriff and he also shot the deputy. <laughs> so. We get to see another face-off of that, which is really cool. We get to see Boba Fett riding a rancor, which they talk about a lot. They talk about the fact that in the first animated uh, version of Star Wars, they had um, Boba Fett riding a mythosaur, which is the symbol that he wears on his on his arm. That's the symbol for the Mandalorian, that mythosaur. Uh, there's a mention of it with the armorer where she's talking to Mando and she says the mythosaur is a myth. Like it, it's been, it's been thought of to be extinct. 
she mentions to him the fact of, have you taken your helmet off? And he says, I have. And she's like, the only way you can, you are a Mandalore no more. And she's like, you got to go to the mines, to the water underneath the mines of Mandalore. And he's like, but it's been destroyed. She's like, I have spoken kind of, you know, she didn't say I've spoken, but this is the way is what she says. Um, I had a long discussion with my wife about that episode and the fact that we rewatched it together and she was like, I don't understand. What does this part mean? Um, in the beginning where Mando shows up with the dark saber and he starts slaying bad guys, um, he's having trouble wielding the blade because it's heavy. It only responds to you when you understand how to use it. Um, if you're fighting the blade, it won't work. You have to understand to use the blade the right way. And part of that is the force. Part of that is, is your intentions, your thoughts, your feelings. You have to know that what you're doing is right and true, and you got to believe in it. If you don't believe in it, it's going to be a burden, and it's going to be something that you can't do. There's a big face-off between one of the Mandalorians and um, Din Djarin, where he wants, he wants the Darksaber because it belonged to his lineage, his family lineage. I don't know the name right off the top of my head. Uh, Tar Vista, I think, is the first guy that had it. And I was explaining to my wife that in the animated series, you get to see the point where uh, Darth Maul defeats this guy. I don't remember his name, something Vista. What was his name? Visla, whatever. Uh, and, Darth, and Darth Maul wins the blade in combat. He then puts the blade in some type of tomb in the ground, in the cave or something. And then uh, Sabine Wren finds it. Uh, Sabine Wren is Bo-Katan's sister. When she finds it, she comes out and she's got the thing and she's using it on a regular basis. And she's sort of getting some instruction from Kanan. And uh, in that process, she comes into contact with Bo-Katan. And Bo-Katan understands the meaning of the blade, whereas Sabine Wren really doesn't care. And she's like, you you have the blade. You are the rightful ruler of Mandalore. And she's like, I don't want to rule Mandalore. And she's like, well, I do. And she goes, well, here, you take it. So she gives it, She basically gives it to Bo-Katan. And so by giving it to her, it's a gift. Bo-Katan didn't earn it. So the people who are being ruled under Bo-Katan at the time, they splinter off and they have a faction because a lot of them are like, hey, you didn't earn it. You're not the ruler. And so there was an outcast of people. In this first episode, in the beginning, when Din Djarin goes to find the armorer, she makes a comment about how their sect, which means they're a separate group of people that believed in something completely different, such as not taking off your helmet and the whole you must win the Darksaber thing, their sect was cast out onto a moon outside of Mandalore. And that was the only way they survived. That same sect is the sect that saved Din Djarin when he was a boy, and raised him to be a Mandalore under their system. That sect could be looked at like having a religious off-break. Like, let's say that you're, you know, the whole time you're believing in one thing, and all of a sudden someone goes, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. And then they offshoot and start a different religion, and you may wear the same little funny cloak and hat and whatever, but you're, you believe in something a little bit different. That's kind of what that is. Um, if you notice, the armor is wearing horns on her helmet. There's a lot of people that speculate that she's going to turn out to be a bad guy. That's possible. Um, it could be that Bo-Katan is the bad guy. We're going to see a lot of this dialogue and discussion in Season 3 of Mandalorian. 
there is a rightful lineage of whoever created this Darksaber, Tarvisla. He was a Jedi and a Mandalorian, and he was the one who created this blade and wielded it. And when he passed away, it was, I guess, given to his next in line of lineage. So there's the question, okay, does it go to the next bloodkin or does it go to the next person who wins it in battle? Um, and that in itself could create its own sect. So you got people at war. The planet of Mandalore is devastated due to civil war. Um, they live inside of this giant dome type thing. Uh, whenever Moff Gideon was in power, he had the place leveled. Uh, as they say, um, the something of a thousand tears, the death of a thousand tears, or the sound of a thousand tears, uh, where basically the whole planet was bombed into glass. And what that means is there's enough damage done that everything on the planet is turned into such fine dust that it looks like glass. That much bombing. That's a lot of bombing. Uh, supposedly he killed millions of Mandalorians. Now, <clears throat> the fact that Din Djarin won the Dark Blade from Moff Gideon, you go, okay, well, how did Moff Gideon get it? Well, you haven't seen that part. That part still hasn't been shown. Okay. Bo-Katan had it. You see Moff Gideon with it now. That's the missing part we don't know yet. But it's still not going to matter. The fact that she was given it doesn't mean it, it really doesn't belong to her in anybody's sight. Um, if you go with the fact that it technically belonged to Darth Maul because he won it in combat, then you go, okay, well, who defeated Darth Maul in combat? Well, the first person who defeated him would have been Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? We saw that. And defeated him. Cut him in half. Went down the little shaft. When you go, well, wait a second. He wasn't completely dead. The, the, the Night Sisters brought him back and, and they made him those metal legs. Yeah, okay. So who beat him next? Ahsoka. We see that at the end of Clone Wars. She defeats him. And you go, well, yeah, but she didn't kill him. All right. Fair enough. So who ultimately kills him? Obi-Wan. So Obi-Wan if you go by that ruling, is the rightful heir of the Darksaber. Does Obi-Wan want the Darksaber? No, he doesn't care. He's got his own lightsaber. Does he need a Darksaber and a lightsaber? Come on. Come on. So the question is, where do they go? Because we don't see it in any of the Star Wars stuff that we see going forward, right? In the timeline. Where does it go? Where is Grogu? Ah, See, that's the other part of this. We get to see Grogu come back. Grogu makes a decision. He chooses to wear the Beskar armor that Mando made from him from the Beskar spear. He chooses. Luke tells him, he says, you got to choose. If you choose this or you choose that, it's, you know, it's up to you. Which is interesting because Luke's, um, Luke was given the same sort of choice with Yoda. Whenever Luke was training to be a Jedi in Empire Strikes Back, He's like, I must go to them because he reached out and he could tell his friends were in, in trouble. He's like, I must go to them. And he's like, you can't. It's an attachment. If you go towards it, it's going to lead you to the dark side. And he was like, I, 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 am, I must do it. So even Luke chose to follow his heart. Even while Luke is sitting here presenting the armor or Yoda's lightsaber saying, you must choose. He's giving him a choice and he's trusting his instincts that he's right. And, and you know, he may be right overall. 
Um, but obviously Grogu chooses the armor. Now, it doesn't mean that he's not still a Jedi because we get to see that in the episode. He gets to use his force jump. Uh, he gets to use his uh, his ability to crush metal things. You know, he crushes the, the robot. He raises up one of the robots, lifts it up off the ground whenever it's trying to attack Mando. He uh, he also uses the taming wild beasts thing. Whenever the ranger gets out of control, he gets it to settle down and actually fall asleep. And he's this little guy, but he's also fifty. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, at fifty, he would be about the same age as Anakin, which in this timeline, Anakin's turned into Darth Vader and ruled the universe and and has perished. <laughs> but he's He's possibly at that level of Jedi, um, but has just chose to hide it for a lot of years. There's a point where Luke is training him and Ahsoka asks him, she says, how's it going? And he says, I feel like I'm not teaching him. I feel as though I'm helping him remember. And that raises all sorts of opportunities. So let's talk about the one part of the, the whole thing that I really was disappointed in. And I know this is silly, but... When Grogu steps out to save Mando and he does his arm like this, I thought instead of him lifting that metal droid thing, I thought he was reaching out, was going to like have the dark saber come to his hand or he was going to maneuver the dark saber with the force to chop the thing up into a bunch of pieces. I was like jumping off the couch, grabbing my wife, going, Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, I was so, I was so geeked out and dorky and nervous and excited it was so much fun to watch. Um, I really liked the fact that Dave Filoni and John Favreau were fans of the show and that they've created such a catalog and that Filoni has worked so much with Lucas to discuss a lot of the stuff about what they wanted, what they planned, what they would like to do. They have a lot of callbacks to this. There's a lot of references of things that, that, that come back. Um, to me, this was the first episode where they've shown Fennec Shand being a master assassin. I mean, you get to see her go in and basically take out a room full of bad guys. And, uh, and they never saw her coming. I mean, that was awesome. That's how she was in the animated series. See, here's the thing is the animated series. You don't have any limitations upon special effects and you don't have any limitations upon, uh, what the people's, uh, physical ability is because you are dealing with actors who are getting older. A lot of these actors, there's, you know, at least three of them that are in their sixties. And you go, okay, okay, I really expected you to, to move more or do more. You know what I mean? Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that about, about Boba Fett in this season, is that it, they really expected him to just kick more ass, and he just hasn't. There's a lot of him just standing around. And there is a lot of him just standing around. And I was disappointed in the first, whatever, four episodes. Uh, but the final three episodes, I mean, it turned more towards the Mandalorian and, and, and watching Din Djarin go through his process. And I was excited to watch him go through all this. And you get to see more of the story. You get to see it develop more. And when he came back to help Boba Fett, it was more meaningful. Um, it is Boba Fett's story. All of it comes back around. Even the part of him living with the Tuscans that comes back around with Cobb Banth or with, uh, with Cad Bane. I mean, you get to see him call him out, and he uses that, that stick to, to whip his ass in the end and kill him. And there's a lot of people like, okay, so is Cad Bane dead now? It looks like it. 
he stabbed him in the in the chest with that thing and looks like he's dead. I don't think you walk away from that. Um, whereas we know that Cobb Vanth is coming back because you get to see him after the credits roll. In the last episode, the credits roll, and Cobb Vanth is in the Bantha tank healing. I don't know what the Bantha tank is, but I think I need one of those. If it makes you get younger and look better and suddenly you're spry again after being beaten up and tore down, I think I need one of those. I think we could all use one of those. It'd be cool if like just one of our friends had one and we could all go over and hang out for the weekend and just play there and dream about whatever and, and wake up and be healed. But anyway, uh, I digress. <laughs> so um, let's see. I wrote my notes down. Let me see if I missed anything I wanted to touch on. Beep, 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 beep. Nope, that was it. That was it. Thank you to everybody who listens. Thank you to everybody who subscribes. Thank you to everybody who tells me they like the, the podcast. I appreciate it. It does help. Um, there are times when I do these and I go, is anybody watching? Is anybody listening? It is kind of cool when I see the analytics. Um, I look at that once in a while and it says, this past week you've had 200 unique listeners. And I'm like, 200 unique listeners? Wow, cool. That's neat. I'm hoping people like it. I'm hoping people stick around. Um, it's kind of the goal. I'd like to do this with more people, but um, you know, it's been quiet lately. People have been busy. I get it. We're all busy, right? We just need more stuff to do. That's all we need. <laughs> so anyway, um, I do have tickets to go see Bert Kreischer in Macon, Georgia. Uh, thank you to Greg Steele. Um, if you guys are anywhere around Albany, check out 95 Band, Albany, Georgia, and all your social media platforms. You get to see where they're playing. Pretty fun band. Um, we're going to go see Burt Kreischer in, a, in Macon, Georgia. Excuse me, Macon, Georgia. Next weekend. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. Is it next weekend? Two weekends. Two weekends. Two weekends. Two weeks. Two weeks away. Dos weekos. That's not a thing. I just made that up. <laughs> but uh yeah if you got the opportunity to see Bert in concert uh go see him perform great comedian great storyteller um fantastic just a fantastic night uh go with friends you're gonna have a good time trust me all right i'm gonna wrap this up thank you to everybody who listens subscribes all that fun stuff please remember to rate review subscribe this podcast it does help us grow it does help us do more things and hopefully one day um i'll never be as big as joe rogan but maybe i'll have somewhat of an audience that will continue to grow and we can create community so with that being said i'm off and cue the cow <laughs>